You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. It's Claire, and I wanted to let you guys know that Dr. Perez and I recorded this podcast um, several weeks ago prior to everything happening with COVID-19. So just as the episode was about to come out, as my first episode, really everything in healthcare started just absolutely exploding with um new information, new cases, and I just felt like it wasn't the right time to put out that episode, and so I put out a different episode that was focused completely on that, Um, but we are all um, sort of ready to just hear about, you know, our our regular life problems and not just... COVID-19 problems. Um, So I hope you guys will love this episode. Um, Dr. Perez is hilarious. She has just a wonderful social media presence where she um, just presents things in a really understandable and, but like funny, relatable way. Um, And I had an awesome time talking to her. She was actually down in Charleston for her bachelorette weekend. And I just could not be more grateful that she decided to Um, take an hour out of her day and come and chat. So hope you like it. Hello, Marta. Hi, Claire. Shalom, Dr. Perez. Um, Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a board-certified OBGYN doctor. Yes. I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri, and probably by the time this airs, I'll announce my new job, but I had trained there, Mm -hmm. left. It was at my hometown in Jacksonville, Florida, which I love, but Mm -hmm. due to my fiance's job and his medical training, had to kind of flip-flop back to St. Louis. What is he, pediatric something? He is finishing up his pediatric cardiology fellowship, but Uh he's also doing a pediatric ICU fellowship next. Oh, wow. he'll be triple board certified. That's a lot of boards. I know. He's crazy. Wow. Good Lord. So where where is that going to take you? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I... I love my Jacksonville peeps. I love my family being yeah. there. So, yeah. well, and he's from Miami. So, we'll probably get closer to Florida if not being in Florida. What made we'll you see. choose OBGYN? You know, I I just liked everything about it yeah. when I did it. I didn't really see it coming. I mean, I I've always loved women's health and stuff, but I right. really loved I always loved kids growing up. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of babysitting. Um, I did like uh, children and media research in college. So, I thought that I would be doing pediatrics. Yeah. And in third, like in med school, the first two years are like in the classroom mostly, although curriculums are sort of changing. But we did the first two years in the classroom, and then third year you go basically be in each specialty right. kind of around the hospital. And I did pediatrics first, and I loved it. And then I did OBGYN, and I loved that. And I was like, perhaps I just love talking to people not being in the library. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just human interaction. Who's to say? But then as the year went on, I just like, I really like, I kept thinking about OBGYN. Yeah. You get to do a lot of prevention in primary care, but you also get to do surgery. Right. Um, birth is a really, really happy moment most of the time, except when it's not and it's really unhappy. But most right. of the time it's very happy. And right. a lot of medicine, sometimes you're dealing with unhappy or hard things, which I like yeah. that too, but it is kind of fun to do one of the most life-giving moments in a person's life. So for sure. But what's that like on the other side? Like when it's the worst moment of a person's life? I mean, what is that like? 
it's it's the worst. I mean, I I remember every woman's face who has had a stillbirth yeah. that I've diagnosed. I remember Ugh. the situation perfectly every time. Yeah. My heart breaks with those women. I mean, it's some of the hardest things you have to do. And then other things are hard to maybe like that is absolutely the worst thing. Right. right. Or like maternal death with luckily there's been very few of, but it still happens. Right. Um, but even just miscarriages, infertility, Right. abusive relationships, all those things are kind of hard too, but I, I like those things, but I'm glad I don't have to do them kind of like every day. I get right. to have a mix of helping people through those hard things and Mostly then also happy. getting to celebrate right. good stuff. So. Right. I was in a cancer practice for about 10 years and yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I feel like people are always like, Oh my God, how do you deal with that? But I mean, you just do, I don't yeah. know. And there is so much joy in the victories that yeah. I don't know. You just kind of deal, you just kind of deal, but, um, so what, I, I've got so many questions on Instagram. I um, put up a thing yesterday and I know we talked about it. A lot of them are the same. A lot of them are so specific and hilarious. Um, but one thing people really, people really want to know about eating your placenta, Marta. So I would <laughs> like for you to just briefly touch on that. You know, there's a lot of things I approach with a sense of, does it, things that are kind of offbeat is it helpful? Is it hurtful? Or is it neutral? Mm-hmm. And then you can decide whether you want to do it. And things can I be... I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. I try not to be like just blanket like, well, that is dumb and blow people off. Because right. if I'm approached by someone who says, oh, I'm interested in you know placental encapsulation and its benefits, what can you tell me? What I can tell you is there have been some studies and they don't show any difference. It's likely placebo effect or whatever because people tend to talk about, you know, mood benefits, um, right. or, or I think it's mostly mood. Um, right. and the studies I've seen, I mean, it, it's not well studied, but it's unlikely to truly be effective. Right. Now, is it harmful? It, it can be, right? Yeah. I right. mean, it's not like you're getting it done in, in these labs that have passed like certain criteria. I mean, usually it's somebody who has like has a dehydrator in their kitchen and is dehydrating the placenta and then they like ground them down and put them in capsules. And so like, which who want that's who mm. it, thought to the, like yeah I don't know send me your bloody afterbirth yeah and I shall deal with it like yeah. who well if you believe in the benefits so you want to offer it to yeah. people I guess and they'll pay you to do it <laughs> that's um, true. yes so I'm like I I don't think it's helpful it maybe could be harmful but I don't know I think it's probably a neutral I don't rec- I mean ACOG doesn't recommend it I don't recommend it but I don't right. tell people they're it's not a hard no. Well, I don't, I don't like try to make shame women or like embarrass them being like, why would you believe that? No, I'm just like, okay, well, I don't believe it really has any benefits. It could be risky. I probably don't think that's worth it. And then there are situations where like you cannot take your placenta. Like if you had an infection and your placenta is infected, you cannot take that home. And I definitely don't recommend ingesting that. Right. But I love, I mean, just the way you presented that. And I think that's kind of how we've gotten to this place of where there's such a huge divide between... Lindsay and our, Lindsay's our producer and um, she's sitting in the corner and she's in charge of me. <laughs> but we were talking about it before we got here and I feel like that's where this just huge divide came from yes. is, you know, it's everything has to be one or the other and there's no in between. But what you said is, I mean, yeah, if you, I think if, if you just have an intelligent conversation with the person and say, I mean, listen, if, if you want to do it, okay, but I, I mean, I can't tell you there's yeah. benefits, but, um, 
it's, it's hard because you don't always have the time. I feel like as a physician, probably to discuss something like that for 20 minutes with a patient when there are bigger fish to fry on the table, you know? And it does depend on kind of the receptivity of someone too. And the other, I'm using air quotes, risk with some of the stuff in the wellness space or some of it is the, the risk or the downside is financial. So it's funny being a doctor and being in like a wellness space or especially when I looking, I was, before I had an Instagram myself, I was the consumer of social media being like all these privileged people with extra time and money are looking into all of these things. They probably don't help or maybe sometimes are harmful, but they're certainly harmful to the wallet. Mm -hmm. But as a doctor and most doctors, there are very few doctors who don't see people struggling to get by all the time. Right, right, right. And so it's kind of like, wow, there's so much we need to fix. And then like, you don't need the $50 prenatals. Right. The ones from Target are fine. Right. You know, so it's interesting seeing that huge dichotomy of what kind of exists on social media because it's not the world I live in, in my office, in my hospital at all. Right. Well, and then that passes down. So, so people of a lower socioeconomic status, I feel like then if, this is kind of where the celebrity wellness culture came from, right? Yeah. And so they, it's like, okay, well, Gwyneth is doing it. Yeah. So I need to be doing it. Yeah. Whereas, well, $2,000 for a facial is no big whoop for Gwyneth, but then we all think we need it. And you yeah. know what I mean? So we're passing on the financial consequences when in reality, there could be so many other things that you could do in postpartum besides that, that would give you better mood, better energy. Yeah. Right. But, um, how is Instagram? I mean, Instagram is such a weird place. Is it not? It is such a weird place. It's funny. I think, and I had been, I had been really consistent with like my posting and education and content for a while. And I reached a point where I had to like kind of take a step back because it started feeling like a burden. Yeah. Um, the current thing I'm struggling with is I, my, like I want to help every person and my DM box, I just, I just can't. I mean, I right. can't give personal medical advice because you're telling me a situation. I don't, see, right, I can't right. see your labs. I can't examine you. Right. I can't really have a real discussion with you. Right. So like it's unethical and incomplete to give me- medical advice, but it also is one of those things where it's like, I know that you're having trouble accessing care. And so like messaging me is what you're doing, but I, I can't right. spend five hours responding to DMs and cause it would be incomplete, but it makes me feel bad. Cause I, I feel guilty. Like every time I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like you're going to have to talk to your own healthcare provider about that. Right. But you do have so much incredible information on your Instagram yeah. too, that I feel like a lot of the questions, even that I got as submissions for today, I was like, well, yeah, I know you've got tons of posts on that. You yeah. Know? A lot of it is too, just being like, there, someone asked me a question, like Here's I can't engage it. with the personal question, but like I have a whole highlight about periods. Yeah. Like I now totally. have so much content about so many different women's health stuff right? that there's definitely so much more to cover up with posts on, but like I'm able to at least direct people to like, Oh, I already have like, here's where to find it. it. Yeah. Like the big gaping, um, topic is I don't have a lot on PCOS be just cause it is such a big topic. So I need to cover it together. people asked about that. I know. And it's hard because, um, there's so much misinformation out there about PCOS. So, so when PCOS, I do it, what is PCOS? Because people may not so know what that's, that is. So PCOS is called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Right. And as some of our REI friends say, it's a really bad name for what the syndrome is because having cysts on your ovaries itself is not necessarily the problematic part. And normal women without PCOS get cysts every month. That's how your body works. Right. But the problem with PCOS is actually an endocrine problem. So if you don't know what endocrine is for listeners, endocrine is the hormonal messaging system of your body. 
And there's different endocrine systems. So like the reproductive endocrine system in PCOS is what's messed up. Mm -hmm. And I have like normal menstrual cycle, I'll explain in post. And if you look at the chart of the menstrual cycle, your hormones should look like a roller coaster. It's a finely tuned roller coaster though. Is it? When LH and FSH go up, it signals the ovaries and the ovaries produce their hormones, which signals back to the... um, the glands under the brain, the anterior pituitary and hypothalamus, and they decrease then those. So it should look like, which is makes me laugh about the wellness industry saying balance hormones. Like your hormones are supposed to look like a roller coaster every month. That's how they signal each other or different things going down and up at specific times. Right. So with PCOS, what happens is that hormonal pulsing of the up and down just like doesn't synchronize well. Mm -hmm. And so everything sort of is in the middle and sometimes it may go up and down, Mm -hmm. but you're not the brain and the ovaries and their work together to, and then what they tell the endometrium. So like releasing the egg, having a period, none of that happens in it's synchronized way. It's supposed to. Huh? Okay. And there's different types of PCOS and sometimes they get lumped in together. So some women have this endocrine problem and they don't have any problems with like facial hair growth acne. and acne yeah. and being like a more overweight or weight difficulty issues. with weight, mm-hmm. um, body type. Um, or propensity for diabetes and those kind of things. They just don't get their period, but they don't have the other side. And then for a lot of other women, they do have the other side as well, where they have, you know, acne and more like thicker hair, especially like mustache and face and um, chest and stomach um, and like a difficulty with weight. And But the important thing is that if your periods are irregular, you know, I only get a period once every two months or three months or really unpredictably, there's other causes of that too. Right. PCOS is by far the most common cause, but there, you have to rule out other things too. So hormones, it's funny. I mean, you say like our hormones are supposed to be a roller coaster and it's so, there is so much shenanigan happening on line right now about hormones, balancing hormones. Everybody thinks they have a hormone problem. Yeah. Everybody thinks they have a thyroid problem. So what with, if somebody asks you, like, hey, can you check my hormones? Or yeah. I think I'm having a hormone issue. I mean, what does that even mean to you? So there's different, I tell people there's different types of hormones too. So I'm an OBGYN. So I'm primarily concerned with the female reproductive hormones. Right. So, you know, but there's other hormones like thyroid hormone. And right. you can have hypothyroid. It can affect your period if it's bad, but it's sometimes you just still have normal periods, but you're hypothyroid. And I can screen for some of those symptoms mm-hmm. um, and checking it thyroid stimulating hormone. Uh, how commonly do you actually find a problem? I it guess depends is what... on the person's symptoms uh-huh. to an extent. So first of all, if someone says, I'd like my hormones checked, I say, what are you looking for? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm tired all the time or I'm gaining weight or right. well, like I'm losing my hair. I feel cold all the time. Those are signs of hypothyroidism right? or like hyperthyroidism. Like I'm hot all the time. I'm sweating. I'm jittery. I'm anxious. I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. So like hyper and hypo. But then for female reproductive hormones, like there's not really a specific check that tells you your hormones are okay. If your periods are regular and predictable, then your hormones are okay. Hmm. If you're on contraception that you don't get periods or it regulates your periods, Mm -hmm. then what were your periods before? And it's, it doesn't tell us anything. Like, I know you want to like be able to measure like a stress hormone and be like, the stress right. hormone we is want high. An yeah, everybody but we wants can't measure answer. that really either. It doesn't mean anything. Right, right. So, um, I mean, I usually have like a little bit of a more finesse answer when I'm talking like directly to a patient about what we're looking for. Sure. 
and what the underlying causes. Because the thing is, is checking a number. We live in like a data-driven society now. But when someone says, you know, I'm stressed, I feel like my I'm gaining weight and like I just don't feel like myself and blah, blah, blah. Can you check my hormones? My response is usually, well, if your periods are regular, checking your hormones won't tell us anything. But just this conversation tells me that you need to incorporate more stress management or right. sleep or deal with your job that's making you um, unwell or your relationship being unwell or whatever. And sometimes those things are a part of life. Like you can't always fix everything right away. Right. We want to be able to have an answer of why. And if we can get a why, then, okay, now I have a path to fix it. But that that's what people think. Yeah. But as you know, I mean, that's just not the case. Yeah. That's not how it works and always. And checking a lab doesn't help us do it. Right. It just doesn't give any answers. Right. Um, so I try to like validate. I think sometimes people feel like they're just told, no, I'm not going to check your hormones without like the explanation or, right. and then everyone on the internet is talking about hormone balancing and your hormone this, like, like, but they're just making that up to sell you a program <laughs> or supplement. Right. Right. Yes. Josh Axe, we're looking at you. The oldest trick in the book, create a problem that doesn't exist and sell the solution. <gasps> oh, I like that. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I know. That's an interesting That's, way I see it. If you're like surprised that you've never heard of a problem and the person who's telling you about the problem sells Has the solution. solution. Mm. That's tricky. That's, that's sneakery right there. <laughs> um, okay. Another question I got several of, which kind of bummed me out. Cause I was like, who's come on, man, who's putting this on you? But I had so many women that asked, I'm basically, they were all 35 or older. It was like 35, 36, 37 was mm -hmm. kind of the most common. Um, and is, should I be worried about conception? Yeah. So I, everyone like jokes about, so if you're over 35 and you're pregnant, that is called advanced maternal age. And I tell people, it's not like meant to shame you, mm -hmm. but historically, cause like everything has a historical con um, context, right? Historically rates of down syndrome and chromosomal abnormalities go up with maternal age. And when we didn't have good, we have a lot of screening tests now, mm -hmm. but we used to only have basically one test, which was an amniocentesis, which is where a needle goes through a woman's belly and collects the amniotic fluid around the baby and sends that to test the actual chromosomes. Overall, a very safe procedure, about 1% risk of, you know, like the water breaking miscarriage. And when you're at a, in the middle of the second trimester, that's a catastrophic event for the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, so 99% it's fine, but 1%. So they were like, well, who should we do this test on? And they decided that the incidence in the population should equal the risk of the procedure. And that right. was at about 35. So there's about a 1% ish risk of chromosomal problems at age 35. So that's where the cutoff was. Uh -huh. So that's how it got the name advanced maternal age. So 35, 36, 37, Go for it. Like, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are smaller increased risks, but, like, I'm sure you haven't... I'm sure you didn't, like, map out your life being like, I'm going to choose the time when right. there was more risk. Like, it's probably because you've been in school and killing it in your career or, like, right. loving your life and looking for the right partner. Like, you have to be grateful for all those wonderful things. And, yeah, the, for like, sure. there's the risk of infertility, preeclampsia. Like, yes, those things of C-sections, like, those things do go up, but, like, there's no use kind of, like... It's almost like crying over spilled milk. Like, you can't get in your time machine and like, and go back and have your baby in the middle of college when you're 20 or something. Like I'm just, I tell people kind of like, yeah, these right. risks are a little bit higher, but don't be like beating yourself up and like all worried, like do the thing that's right for you. Yeah. 
And those things are still small risks. It's not like like 95% of people get preeclampsia once they hit 35. Right. It's just that the rate's a little bit higher. Slightly higher is still so, so such a small increment of percentage. Or, and when you're talking about things preeclampsia, like those things, they're not super rare and you're like a little bit higher, but you had a, you know, decent chance in the first place. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes complications sense. in pregnancy, unfortunately, are what common. about egg? Um, so with that comes egg freezing. Like if mm. somebody is, let's say they're thirty five, not in a relationship, but they know they want to have kids someday. Um. Then what? What? How are your feelings on egg freezing? I know it's expensive, but yeah, I I always encourage women to the more information the better. Right. So I know a lot of the basics and I'll kind of do my spiel, but I'm always saying, and go get a consultation visit with REI. Yeah. Like it's just a copay. So tell people what REI is. REI is reproductive endocrinology and infertility. So those are OBGYNs who did four years of OBGYN, Mm -hmm. are board certified in that, and then did fellowship for three years Mm -hmm. in uh, reproductive endocrinology and infertility. So they do advanced hormonal problems, but they do infertility treatments. Okay. They do egg freezing, IVF, that kind of thing. So what I tend to tell women in... I always direct them to the expert as well, but they want some information in the office. <clears throat> or honestly, friends and family get me this a lot, yeah. even my patients. I say, you know, egg freezing is not an insurance policy, but it can be something that makes you feel like you're really taking an active role in having mm-hmm. a biologically normal, or biologically, not biologically normal, biologically um, true to you child. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's not an insurance policy policy for a few reasons. One is that freezing eggs themselves, like some of them might not survive the thaw. Hmm. So you might have done that and then they, you lose some when they thaw, you lose some more when they, you combine them with sperm. Right. That, yeah. And then you lose some as those. So like you may not end up using that. Although I think most do, um, freezing, um, fertilized eggs together, freezing zygotes there, they survive the thaw and everything much better. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing that happens too, in a good way, is someone's like, oh, I'm 34, like I'm single, I really want a chance at kids. And, and what you're counting on is the fact that like, what if nothing happens in the next five years and I right. can't get pregnant on my own at age 40? Right. And so th- these eggs are here. So if I can't get pregnant on my own, I can use the eggs to thaw them. And, and then go that, through IVF. Right. Right. Um, but some women, they meet someone a year later and they're pregnant on their own three years later. So what will be right. interesting is seeing the data on the women who are doing egg freezing and they're using them. It's not because like something goes wrong with the eggs. It's because they actually, a lot of them did get naturally pregnant. Interesting. Yeah. And what are we going to do with all those eggs? They get to decide. Um, interesting. I don't know. I mean, these are all, yeah, these are all kind of like things that all of this is really It's new. It's new. So new. And it's new that women have access. Like now some tech company, the big tech companies are like offering this as a benefit and yeah. different things. And then there's another implication there of like instead of better family leave policies, it's like, well, it's free to freeze your eggs, a little more, you know, pressure in, in that way. That's it's an interesting, interesting. societal um, option almost. Yeah. Infertility is tough, and I think deciding when to have kids is tough. And, I mean, there's just a lot about it that's, like, it's all just very difficult. It's a lot of decisions on women and a lot of pressure on women and things that are really on us. Um, You know, which as much as we want to say, like, your partner is in it with you and all that, I mean, it's like, well, sure, to a point. Yeah. But ultimately, it's... Although I will say I get a lot of women who come in for the first visit. I've been trying for X amount of time. 
what's wrong with me? And yeah. Like, well, a third of all infertility is male caused. Yeah. So, and another third is what's called unexplained, where there's nothing wrong with a woman, nothing wrong with a man, but they're just not getting pregnant. So, like, it's only yeah. really a third related to you, probably. Just talking statistics. Yeah. At what point do you feel like people need to be evaluated for that? I feel like if people are get very panicked yes. right well, away. I think it's a, um, a symptom of our time too. We're like, again, we're data driven. Right. We're planned oriented. Like gone are the days when we're like, now we're like, we decided to wait to have kids until this time. Then I want to be pregnant right now. Like yeah. everything's so planned out and it, our bodies don't work that way. First of all, I remind people starting off because a lot of people get upset when it's not the first, second, third cycle. Cause they know, Oh, well, right. that person got accidentally pregnant. That other friend got pregnant on the first time. And I'm like, well, not everyone does. Human reproduction, I think it's like, I always have to refresh the exact number, but it's like 22% per cycle or something. Yeah. Fecundity rate, which is the likelihood of getting pregnant each cycle. Um, Fecundity rate? Did you say that? Fecundity rate? Yeah. I didn't, that's a term. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. Never heard. I just have never heard that word. For the listeners, I'm in Charleston for my bachelorette party. (laughs) And my brain is a little bit fried because I had some wine last night and then Claire told me to go to a workout class. I did. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I'm in really good shape. That was very, very hard. She did. If anybody's in Charleston, she went to Kate Count's class at the works this morning. Lindsay and I were talking about that. She, Lindsay threw up after Kate's class. I'm sorry, Lindsay. I'm just going to put it out there. She did. She threw right up. No, I'm in really good shape. And I was like, that was very hard. It's brutal. Yeah. Literally brutal. So my brain has like a little bit of a, um, a friedness for that, but yes, fecundity. But, um, So the definitions of infertility is a woman who has regular menstrual cycles, Mm -hmm. regular normal menstrual cycles. So if you only get your period once every three months already, you just need to be in and see the doctor. Don't waste time because you're not ovulating. You're missing chances. And we have easy medicines that can make your ovaries ovulate if it's PCOS or if something else is causing it, we can address that. Okay. So if you're not getting normal, regular periods, just go in then. Okay. But then if you're getting regular periods, the definitions of infertility is a couple having t- a woman with regular predictable periods and a couple having timed intercourse without pregnancy for 12 months mm-hmm. if the woman's under 35 and six months if the woman's over 35. And the over 35 is because fertility decreases with age. So like our time to intervention is shorter. Right. Okay. That being said, even if you're under 35, I tell my patients who come in for a preconception visit um, who are going to start trying like... If you aren't pregnant in six months, we can start looking into why, um, because insurance doesn't really cover infertility anyway. Right. The initial tests usually are for women. I don't have a problem with that usually. Yeah. Um, but we can start looking into getting a semen analysis, like getting some imaging for you. There are some blood hormone levels I'll draw that to. You do check. Yeah. So I I agree with people that they can start the workup at six months, even under 35, but in states or insurance policies that they do might cover, cover infertility right. services, going on to the treatment phase, your insurance may make you wait to pay for it. But if your insurance doesn't cover anything related to infertility anyway, it's going to cost you the same at 12 or six months. So I think it's reasonable to, to go ahead. And but start. I reassure him like you're still, you don't fit the exact definition, but right. we can start looking into it. I think that's fine. It's interesting. There's a company in Charleston, actually, that um, was started by uh, a woman who went through just years of infertility. And she just found it all to be, which it is, I mean, so clinical and so isolating. Um, And she went to Harvard Business School. And actually, she's like, I'm going to just start my own company that is for women, by women, and create not just products to kind of help people, you know, that literally need 
helped conceive, yeah. but create also create this community. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have you heard of Natalist. Um, I've encountered some of their stuff. Yeah, it's cool. I I'll, we'll connect you, but um, there it's two OBGYNs and um, a PhD running their lab. Who she was a, a PhD um, ran a PhD lab at at Harvard, um, and they've got ovulation tests, they've got pregnancy tests, they do prenatal vitamins. Um, and it's just a really cool community and a really cool company that I think if people are struggling with any of that, I mean, it doesn't even have to be infertility, but if you just have questions, they've got really good information too. So I'll have um, to check them out. Yeah. Check them out. It's called Natalist and they actually heard we were doing this podcast today and wanted to give a code. If you want $5 off any of their products. It's DabbleCo5. Um, but j- I honestly, just go follow them. They just have really, really good information. The, everything's evidence-based. Like we're talking about, I mean, there's so many, they're fighting against, you know, all of these online wellness influencers talking about hormone cleanses and birth control cleanses. And Marta's shaking her head. You can't mm. see that. But I know, she's like shaking her head sadly. But it's it's preying on a group of women that is in this incredibly vulnerable space. Absolutely. I mean, what is more vulnerable than feeling like you're the problem? Yeah. I, I, anyway, so that's where that company came from. I just, I love that idea. And some of the misinformation goes all back to the fact that like we, I joke around and part of why I started my account and like want public information, good public information out there is like, it took me becoming an OBGYN to fully understand the female reproductive system, not medical school, becoming an OBGYN. Oh Yeah. Like, oh, my husband literally was not allowed to contribute to conversations when I was pregnant. Yeah. I was like, Get, you are, I can't like, and he, well, he's a physician for the yeah. background, but I mean, cause medical school, not enough. No, yeah. no, 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 sir. And like, so imagine not everyone goes to medical school or right. becomes an OBGYN. <laughs> right. Like, and you, there's so many super, super smart women, but like we were never taught enough about our bodies totally. and our human reproductive system. It's amazing. I mean, every woman's body is amazing in what it does. And so I think it, because all of these things aren't talked about in our society, then it breeds, it's a great space for the charlatans to sell their birth control cleanses and their hormone balancing. Right. Because we're not taught how our hormones work. So funny that you're like, we're trying to balance hormones when in reality it looks like a literal roller coaster every day. I've never, ever thought about it like that. Okay. What's the weirdest thing? Cause I know we've all, you got to go, but what's the weirdest thing that you've seen in your practice? Oh boy. I know that's really off the cuff, but I, I know. Just... And sometimes I honestly don't, <laughs> I try not to sensationalize things. I mean, and I don't want to like shame people Quadruplets, either. triplets, quintuplets. How many, what's the most amount of humans you've pulled out of another human? I've done triplets. Triplets. A few times. Yeah. My friend had quadruplets and I was like, wow. I don't understand. Naturally had quadruplets. Wow. Right. That's the chances of that are so low. I'm like fascinated by it. Every yeah. time I see her, I'm like, Libby, tell me more about only the of my three triplets I've delivered. I think only one pair was like spontaneous triplets. The yeah. other ones had been like fertility treatment or whatever. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of humans in one human. Yeah. Well, one of my friends, I don't know if anyone here follows them. I don't know if you do. Um, Bedell triplet OBGYN. No, but I will. Okay. So my co-resident, she was one year above me, Vicki Bedell. They're in Miami and her, both of her parents were actually OBGYNs. Uh-huh. Um, and then they had triplets spontaneously oh. and Vicky, Vicky, who was my co-resident and her two sisters, they all went into OBGYN. So they all went and joined their mom. They're in Miami. 
That's a They're lot the best. of so any Miami listeners. A lot of vaginas look them up. in that family that they've seen. If you want to do the math on that, there's what? How many five OBGYNs in the family? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, their dad has passed away. But. Oh, but still. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Thank you for coming on your freaking bachelorette weekend. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you. That, guys, that's how dedicated Dr. Marta Perez is to your knowledge of the female reproductive system is that she is here on her bachelorette weekend. I just cannot even. I feel like we need to do a second episode. We can do a second Great. episode. We can. I'll we can eat more pimento cheese in Charleston to do that. It's a lot. There's a lot of pimento cheese here, <laughs> but it's very good. Okay, where is the best place for people to find you to get your information? You can find me at Dr. Marta Perez, D-R dot M-A-R-T-A-P-E-R-E-Z. And hopefully by the time this airs, my website is up and running. Oh. Where I will not be limited to a caption for information and some other things in the works too. So Oh, awesome. Yeah. What's your website gonna be? DrMartaPerez.com. Love it. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. How great was Dr. Perez? Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate it, review us. Um, tell your friends and your mom and your mom's friends. And if you have any questions for me or things that you would like to see talked about, shoot me an email at thedabbleco at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Instagram. Thanks. And this was the Dabbleco podcast. Thank you.